Welcome to More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. I'm your host, Keanu Trujillo, and I'm really excited today. I'm, I'm always excited, but we have a special guest joining us, but he's not a guest. He is a new member of the True Strategy team. He is someone that developed me. He was a crucial part of my growth and my development, taught me empathy, taught me vulnerability. He taught me strategic leadership strategic planning and actually I have a story one time we were working together we were on a road trip and we were on our way home and he was sharing something very vulnerably with me and this is at a time where empathy was just a word that wasn't in my vocabulary and a skill I possessed zero of and he was sharing something and I told him well you know but at least you know I give him the silver lining right and he said yeah you're right but that still doesn't help at all and it smacked me across the face and I thought oh I am a, uh, how do you say not empathetic? Yeah, that would be a good Yeah, I'm for a it. not empathetic freaking jerk. But either way, I am very, very pleased to introduce you to our new chief development officer of True Strategy, Tim Farah. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Keanu. I feel like it's about time we did this, huh? Yeah, man. I'm excited to be on the mic with you recording the podcast. There's, there's very little things that I love more than podcasting and spending time with you. And now I get to do both. It's a match made in heaven, man. And I would say that you were you were sympathetic, but not empathetic. And sympathy actually drives disconnection. Empathy drives connection. Yeah. And that was the difference. Yeah. And see, and I always thought they were the same thing. If any of you thought that empathy and sympathy were synonymous or the same thing, then let us know. Because that's how I lived. And same. we will do a whole episode on sympathy versus empathy. I am so tempted just to do that, but we won't today because we have something else we want to talk about. Before we get into that, Tim, tell the audience a little bit about who you are. Give us the highlights. Absolutely. Well, my wife and I, we've been married for 10 years now, just celebrated 10 years, and uh, we have three kids. We've also been foster parents to over 30 kids as well. Um, so we are we are well experienced in the uh, family realm. Wow! Um, but I also worked at a really large nonprofit for ten years here in Charlotte um, in many different leadership positions. Um, I've owned a couple of businesses, including a personal training studio, which I launched two months before COVID happened, and it's still around. So I consider that a win. That's a and, good time uh, to open the gym. Yeah, it seemed uh, it seemed really good at the time until uh you may have heard of covid but uh that <laughs> happened to us and it happened hard but uh we're still going and uh yeah super uh thankful to be a part of the true strategy team and to help move us forward i love it man i'm super happy to have you as well not only as someone who is a fantastic leader and a developer of people but also someone that actually owns and operates and runs a business you know full-time hands-on uh, being able to do that because our focus is on building people who build businesses and we've really shifted our focus into developing eight critical skills and Tim actually helped me to develop this list. I was thinking, what are the eight skills? And we didn't necessarily have a number. We didn't pick number eight because I'm a type eight on the Enneagram, although you're going to think that. We thought, what are the skills that if people were to be able to sharpen these, they'd be able to move the needle in every area of their life, their business, personal life, all of it. And we landed at these eight skills. So Tim and I are going to talk about them today. And some of them, he really helped to develop in me and many others. 30 plus children and thousands plus working for Elevation Church. Uh, but we wanted to talk through these eight skills today. And Tim will be back on the podcast. You'll get to know more about him. It would be a uh, gross misuse of this uh, platform if I didn't bring Tim back on more often, especially as a member of the team. But we're going to talk about the skills. Tim, can you name the eight skills in order? 
I sure can, Keanu. They are awareness, boundaries, conflict resolution, communication, creativity, decision-making, delegation, and influence. Wow. And <laughs> I didn't even have any notes. Good job, Tim. <laughs> good job, Tim. I'm super proud of you. It's like you knew I was going to ask that. So starting with the first one, being in self-awareness. Now, we develop these skills. Sometimes they're standalone. Sometimes you need some of these, and maybe you feel like you've got a handle on, on some. And But we built this list so they, in some ways, grow upon each other. So we're going to start with self-awareness. Of course, those of you that have listened to any episode of More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business, you know we use the Enneagram, and it's a tool, a great tool for developing self-awareness. So of course we would start there and self-awareness is something I'm really passionate about because it was something that was never taught to me. It was never, I mean, Tim, did you ever have anyone teach you self-awareness growing up? Nope. It's like, you're just, you're just, you're just tossed out there and, and told to figure it out. And this one skill, I didn't even know about this skill until, you know, four years ago or so. And in sharpening it, it changed everything. It really helped to open up my eyes to how I was, uh, I really had chains on myself or I was the the guard to my own prison, right? Because I wasn't aware of what I was doing or my tendencies or my behaviors. And when I started to shed light on awareness and self-awareness and understanding what was going on, then it really started to change everything. So of course we sharpen self-awareness. We use the Enneagram as a part of that, but that's just the tool. That's the tool that helps you to dig in deeper. It's like if I told you you were going to go uh, dig a hole and you had a shovel, you know that the shovel's gonna work, but I said, hey, I have this tractor that will help you do it 10 times faster and you'll be in air conditioning. It'll be much, uh, a much easier job. You still have to do the work. Of course you would want it. So self-awareness is the first one. The second one is boundaries and boundaries. I did not teach this. We actually have some courses that we've put together. I could not teach this because boundaries is something that I need a lot of coaching on. So Tim, you actually created the boundaries course and it's a topic you're passionate about. Yeah. And I'm passionate about it because I was so terrible at them for so long and what it caused me to do, I'm a type three on the Enneagram, by the way. By the way. It's time everybody knows that. <laughs> um, but I was out there performing and I was, uh, you know, I was doing really well at work, but I didn't really have any boundaries. And so it cost me, uh, nearly cost me my career and my family. And, um, you know, there came a season where it was like, I need to change something. Um, and that's where I started to set healthy boundaries for myself. And uh, what I realized was, that boundaries is actually a topic that not only impacts uh, your health, um, but it also allows your team to operate in their best capacity. Yeah. And uh, what I learned from uh, some neuroscience research that I read is, you know, when you're when you're looking at boundaries for your team, if you're having if you have a team, maybe you lead a team or you're a part of a team, um, there are three things that that team needs to really operate at their best, and that is attention, inhibition, and working memory. Mm. If you don't have boundaries in place so that your team can pay attention to the tasks they need to pay attention to, and then inhibition so they can say no to the things that aren't important, and then you don't have meetings or memos or, or reports to help keep what's important to them in their working memory, then your team's not going to be able to operate at their best. You might uh -huh. be looking around and seeing all these amazing people, but the sum of what they put forth does not equal the sum of them individually. Yeah. It should be greater. And a lot of reason for that is because you may not have good boundaries. And, you know, if you're expected to respond right away to communication, it's really hard to get into deep work, yeah. you know. And so having boundaries around communication and attention um, can really help make a huge difference with your team. That's great. 
but also in your relationships yeah. and in the people you care most about and with yourself as well. Yeah. Boundaries is one that I think as leaders, sometimes we don't want to embrace because we don't want to be limited or we don't want to limit others. And what I found even just in learning from you, Tim, is that boundaries actually gives you more freedom. Mm-hmm. It, it, it actually removes the limitations. It's kind of like when someone says, I don't want to make a budget because I don't want to limit my finances. Right. It's like, no, a budget gives you freedom for your finances. So thank you, Tim. I'm really excited that you were able to share that with us. The, uh, the next one, no surprise to anyone is uh, a course that I created, which was conflict resolution. And actually when we applied to elevation, did they have drillers when you applied or is that something you helped oh, to that create? Came, that came after my time. So, so drillers is something that they is basically like speed dating in, in interviews and, this was something that they would sit you down with you and your wife. If you're married, your spouse had to be a part of it because your spouse will always tell the real truth. And one of the questions they asked was, rate yourself on one to 10 in conflict resolution. And they said, one, two, three, go. And my wife and I had to answer at the same time. And she said, 10. And I said, nine. And she, we both looked at each other and laughed. And I said, I was going to say 10. And my wife said, I was going to say nine. But so anyway, the reason being is even before that, I, a conflict was something that I just felt like the dangers of not addressing it were always far greater than the dangers of letting it linger. And that was something that in my experience or in my background or even in my childhood was a thought that I, I had all my life. Now I know as a type eight why that is, right? I didn't know the Enneagram when I answered that question. But conflict resolution is something that is very tough for everybody, even type eights, right? Even we, you know, kind of get, you know, uncomfortable and palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, you know? So all of those things will happen when we're wanting to address conflict. But when you can address it, it's not just about addressing it and getting back to zero. It's about a, being able to address it and use conflict to move your team forward because it could be the fire that absolutely warms your house or it could be the fire that burns it down. And so what I, why I like conflict resolution as one of those key skills is because it is a skill because if you can harness it, you can really bring your team to the next level by seeing conflict as an opportunity instead of as a hindrance or as a roadblock. Yeah, and, and it just helps to keep you healthy when there's not anything underneath the surface that's unspoken yeah. because even it might be subconscious, but that still keeps you from, from working together at the highest capacity that you can. Yeah, It's, it's uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. What's the next skill, Tim? The next skill is communication, Keanu. And uh, boy, have you and I both done a lot of communicating, whether it was emails or uh, I actually went back and looked and in my 10 years at Elevation, I, th- I think it, it was over 12,000 emails that I sent wow. while I was there. So <laughs> uh, whether it's that or from stage or to a team or whatever. And the biggest thing that I've learned in communication is, so Simon Sinek wrote Start With Why. I would say start with the heart or you can look at your motives. However you want to say it, the important thing is truly, even if it's just a small email to somebody or a big conversation you need to have, always to go back and look at, you know, well, where is this coming from? Because uh, one time I was actually communicating to a group of people from stage and I was rehearsing for it. And the uh, the guy who was putting the event on, he, he watched me practice. And at the end he said, you know, your content is really good, but you are so like over perfect mm. when you're up there that I don't trust you. Wow. Overproduced. Overproduced. And that's kind of (laughs) typical of a type three, right? Mm. Um, And what that helped me to realize was that my motivation in getting up in front of this this group of people was to be impressive, not to be impactful. Yeah. And even when you're sending an email to to try to get somebody to do something or correct somebody or whatever or text or call, 
um, really starting with that motivation of like, do I really have this person's best interest at heart? Am I up on the stage talking because I want to help somebody or because I want to look like I am impressive and I am awesome? And honestly, if you just start from there, then the rest kind of flows out naturally um, to a place of like people love working with you and communicating with you because they know that you believe the best about them, you want the best for them, and that's what comes across in your communication. I love that. I love that. You know, and being able to carry it into every circumstance, Tim, you talked about, you know, communicating from stage and people might think, well, sharpening communication as a skill in business, they might think getting up in front of a boardroom or getting up on a stage and in being able to take a communication workshop there at Elevation, I'm forever grateful for the first thing uh, that was taught was communication is not about communicating from a stage. Communication is about when you talk to someone at the gas station, to your spouse, to communicating from a stage, it has to be something you practice and sharpen and are intentional about daily. So I'm really excited to work on that communication course. It is the fourth technically course that we're putting together um, in that list of skills, but it's really crucial for all of the other ones, right? Communication is really a backbone to all of the other skills, setting boundaries, self-awareness, conflict resolution. And after communication, we have creativity. And I got to tell you, Tim, as a person that was in law enforcement, military, all of these things, I always thought that creative was, uh, you know, someone that was artsy or, you know, wears really cool and popular clothes and, you know, wears a beanie in summer and all of that stuff. Right. And I've come to realize that in business, uh, creativity is something that can be taught. It can be learned. Sometimes it's more natural, but creativity isn't artistic, right? Creativity is about being able to see something and, and being able to bring something to life and being able to make something out of stuff that's not there or even have different ideas, different approaches. Uh, so now I would call myself a creative person and I'm really excited to teach that course on creativity. Tim, what's your take on creativity? Well, I never thought I was uh, creative either. My wife has her MFA in creative writing and she has a painting company business on the side. So she is the creative one, you know? Mm -hmm. But what I've realized is that, you know, someone who can analyze data and tell a story with it, that's incredibly creative, you know, and there's a lot of other examples of it. But I think, you know, what can happen is and what happened to me and even what I've done to some of the teams that I've led um, is creativity dies where there's a lack of safety. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's vulnerable to be creative. So to put something out there that's not yet in the world and to kind of put it out there for feedback, like that's super vulnerable. And, you know, so if you have a team that's that doesn't feel safe to share those things, then wow. you won't have a team that's creative or innovative. And so you probably hired some super creative people. And even going back to that boundaries conversation, if you don't have healthy boundaries and your team's not operating kind of at the utmost of health, you're losing innovation in your business and could be missing out on the next idea that's going to, you know, take you to the next level. Yeah. And so that's where empathy, communication, boundaries, all of those things really play into creativity because if I don't have a safe environment, I'm not going to put my creativity out there because it's vulnerable. I need to trust you, you know? That's great. I love that. And we're going to be working with our chief marketing officer, Daniel, who you you all have not met yet. Daniel's actually been writing with us from the beginning, but he is a naturally creative guy. Mm -hmm. So he gets to speak to kind of the other side of the coin. And so we're excited for that course. The next three, decision-making, delegation, and influence decision-making. Um, it's funny because when we were putting this list together, I said decisiveness. 
of course, as an eight, where like decisiveness is the skill, and that's going to be a part of the decision making course. But Tim said, I think decision making is probably the higher level skill, and I like, oh, you're right, like it's so eight to, <laughs> yeah. to say that. But you know, in decision making, ultimately, you know, you as a leader, you, you have to be able to make decisions, make good decisions. And and uh, we heard a quote recently, Tim and I, we were on a coaching call with uh, a coach of ours, and he said, you know, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The second best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. And that was really cool to think about that, like in decision making, right? Mm -hmm. Like even the second best thing is the wrong thing. So you never really know. You make the, inf you make the decision with the information you had at hand. And that's the best you can do. And as someone who cares very much what people think, it's very easy for me to not make a decision mm. and to think that that's not really doing any damage. But the reality is it's better to make one. Even if it's the wrong one, yeah. Because then I know, and I've learned something, um, and you know, it's it. What I say is, it's really only a failure if you don't learn from it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. And so sometimes you just have to go out and make mistakes. That's right. Um, but we also talked about, uh, you know, Andy Stanley says there are some things that are problems to be solved, and some that are tensions to be managed. And when you're making a decision, you have to realize: is this a problem that I can solve with one decision or one action? Mm. Um, and if so, that's fantastic. Then you have to go through the process of making sure that you make the best decision you can. But where it starts to get frustrating is when it's actually a tension to be managed and you try to solve it with one decision, mm -hmm. but then it keeps coming up and you get frustrated because you're like, oh, I thought we solved that already. But the reality is it's something you're going to have to continually deal with. Yeah. You know? And so problems demand decisions, tensions demand, you know, principles, values, culture so that I know how to continually keep an eye on this and make sure that uh, the tension that we're facing stays under control and within the boundaries that we've we've set forth. Yeah, that's that's hugely, hugely value, valuable. That's strongly valuable. Thank that, you. That's, that's bigly, <laughs> bigly, strongly, and hugely valuable. Uh, so then the second two, delegation and influence. Delegation, man, that is something that as an eight was something I really had to lean into learning and understanding. And now it is one of my favorite skills. And at the same time, I've learned all of these skills are perishable. That You have to continue to sharpen them in and yep. out of every, every season. Because you might feel like last season, I was a pro delegator. And now... I don't know, I'm uncomfortable or, you know, things have changed or the pressure is higher. And even just now, and, and as we've been building and, and bolstering the business now, uh, and getting our platform off the ground, I found that delegation was a little bit harder and I needed more from those I was delegating to before I was very, like, I felt like I had mastered it, you know? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a great delegator. And then I was like waking up anxious. Cause I was thinking about things that maybe other people aren't doing or other people aren't owning, or are they thinking about this? And then I text them and you know, right. And it causes a lot of stress and it takes a lot of your energy. And so in delegation, that is a skill that needs to be sharpened in and out of every season, because when you are able to delegate, delegate authority, not tasks, right? You delegate tasks, then people never have to think, but delegate authority, then we're able to really lead people. Well, I think it's, it's uh, Craig Rochelle that actually says that delegate authority, not tasks. They're able to own that. And it creates a great culture because they know they're responsible. They, they're taking ownership of it. They're excited about it, but it also gives you the freedom as an owner, as a leader to, to focus on what you need to focus on the most. And uh, this is super practical, but has been the most helpful thing in delegating because mm. delegating really is ultimately about trust. Yeah. And, you know, so you don't want to delegate someone something to someone that's beyond their level of trust. Mm. Well, how do you gain that trust? How do you start, right? How do I know, oh, this is a person I can trust with authority? 
And I heard a webinar once, and they said the easiest way to do it is to delegate research. Mm. Like, hey, this is happening in our market. Can you go out and make a report on this? AKA, can you become the authority on this market sector that we have and then bring me back a report with your recommendations? Wow. So it allows you to see what they do with that authority. Do they turn it in on time? Is it early? Is it well-researched? Do they have really thoughtful ideas and solutions? And then you know, like, and there, there's no stakes, right? Yeah. It's not like I'm going to lose money if they bring me back a bad report, but I learn so much about them. And that's been like super helpful in starting the delegation process with somebody. That is so cool. And, you know, as you all are listening to this, I hope you are one, uh, add, you find value in this to sharpen these eight skills. But two, I also hope you find validation because there are some things that we've mentioned today around these eight skills that you do, but you don't know that you're doing them in line with the skill. Maybe it's just part of your, you know, your flow. And so that's what's helpful is being able to get some validation to say, oh, I do that. I delegate research. I didn't even know I did that, right? Yeah, it's like you do it so naturally, you yes. don't even realize you're good at it. That's right. And so when you can put some intentionality or a framework around it, it just helps to one, sharpen that skill even more, but also give you a little bit of encouragement. And the final skill, influence, influence and influence influencers. It's been hijacked by what social media thinks an influencer mm -hmm. is, right? But as a leader, you have to be a pro influencer and influence and understanding first and foremost, what, what are people looking for? What do people want? How does it best serve them? Not to manipulate them, but to serve them and lead them well and to influence them with a mission, influence them with a vision, influence them knowing that first and foremost, you have a relationship with them and you want what's best for them, right? So influence being the final skill, I don't think it's the last skill or least important. I think it's the most important. It's the one that ties them all together mm -hmm. because as you're approaching any of these other skills, you have to be able to influence people and really meet them where they're at and do what's best for them, even if it's uh, as it pertains to the mission, I, we were talking about this earlier, Tim, I'm going to try and recall what I said. Influence in leveraging influence is about doing, first of all, what's best for the mission and what's best for you and understanding when you may not be good for the mission, but also when the mission may not be good for you, right? Because you know this as a three and, and I feel this as an eight as well. Sometimes we'll just kill ourselves working very, very hard and breaking our backs because we want the mission to be good for us. But sometimes it's not. And in being an influential leader, you're able to better lead people and serve people. Yeah. And I think you said that, that influence is actually very selfless, you know, and of course there's a lot of people influencing out there for their own gain, but obviously to be a healthy leader, you know, I mean, I've influenced people to do things that were really great for the mission because I can be convincing you know, and I can, you know, talk somebody into something, but I didn't truly understand what was best for them. And, you know, so instead of just parting ways, which sometimes is the best thing to do, um, you can still, of course, have a good relationship and be friends or whatever, but maybe they're just not connected to your mission anymore. Um, but if you are trying to influence somebody towards something that's not good for them, it's only going to cause damage, you know, down the road. Yeah. And uh, so, so truly influencing in a healthy way, it's really hard to do in a mass setting, yeah. first of all, because if I don't understand you, then it's hard for me to influence in a way that is going to be best for both you and the mission. And they're the same. They should be the same thing. I love it. I love it. Well, those are the eight skills, self-awareness, boundaries, conflict resolution, communication, creativity, decision-making, delegation, and influence. And in sharpening those eight skills... We're able to build a, a great company and a great team that we like to work with, right, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you can train train people in those, then mm -hmm. that's when you know you've mastered them. Yeah. And that's where it gets really fun, in my opinion. I love that. Well, I had Tim here one to introduce him.
and two, to talk about these skills. And three, True Strategy is no longer a company. True Strategy mm-hmm. is a place. And True Strategy is a platform. And it's a place that is dedicated to your growth as a business leader, as a business owner, as a leader, as a team, as a person that really wants to sharpen these skills and accomplishing goals. And so with that, we've created a platform that we want to invite you into experience. We're given 14 days 14 days for you to come in and experience this platform. And we have already, the courses are all ready as of the time of this podcast being released. We have self-awareness, boundaries, conflict resolution. Those courses are ready so that way you can experience them and begin sharpening those skills in that platform. We also have a community of other leaders, leaders from Fortune 100 executives to the local entrepreneur to some of our guests on this podcast, actually, that you may have heard and listened to that are growing together and then also some coaching. So we're doing live coaching in this platform. And like I said, we want to invite you in to experience it for free for 14 days. We're opening up the doors and we'd love to see you. You'd see Tim in there. You'd see myself in there. Maybe you've been a loyal listener for a long time and you want to engage personally and grow, come in and give it a shot. So you can find the link in the show notes. And we're so excited to open that up to you and to share that we've been working hard, bringing in some massive talent like the Tim Farah to serve (laughs) this platform and this community. And we just can't wait. So if you loved the podcast, please share it with someone. Chances are they will as well. If you liked liked it, let us know what you liked about it. Let us know in the review and please subscribe. Thank you for joining us as always. More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. We'll see you on Thursday. Oh,